You're listening to All Things Video, a podcast dedicated to uncovering the past and charting the future of the online video ecosystem. This episode is brought to you by Epidemic Sound, the company reimagining music licensing for the digital age. Epidemic's library contains tens of thousands of tracks that you can license a la carte or on a subscription basis. Unlike other music licensing companies, Epidemic Sound owns its entire catalog and makes tracks available via one straightforward license to cover all your needs, worldwide and in perpetuity. No more headaches around usage reporting, performance royalties, or murky rights ownership. It's better for the artists and better for you, the creator. So whatever your music needs, Epidemic Sound has got you covered. You're listening to All Things Video. I'm your host, James Creech, and today's guest is John Holdridge, Vice President of Channel Plus at Fullscreen. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. After high school, you went to work in the world of media and entertainment, first as a marketing coordinator at Universal Music, and then moved over to production coordinator at Village Roadshow. How was that experience at such a young age? It was great. It was great. Uh, I knew an individual who was heading up integrated marketing at Universal Music. And it was fascinating because that was when integrated marketing wasn't a thing. He was pioneering sort of the concept of taking brands and having them sponsor tours from end to end. And so while I was there, I was really helping him assist on debt creation day to day and really sort of just being a fly on the wall and learning in those situations. So that was a really fascinating kind of entry point into digital and marketing and a little bit of sort of right out of school, what what got me interested in in this whole space. But I quickly realized I didn't want to be in music forever (laughs) and wanted to sort of pivot out of that. And so then moved over to Village Roadshow and thought I would give it a, a good old college try at attacking marketing there quickly realized that I I didn't love sort of entertainment marketing around like the theatrical side of it. What I loved and what was really interested was the vendors that they worked with. And I think that's what then got me interested into having my own thing and starting my own thing was, I don't know if I want to do it at the sort of client level, but I love the idea of servicing them, of coming up with new ideas, coming up with new strategies, sort of hearing about what's happening in their slate or what tours were happening. And I love the idea of being able to start to find solutions for them. And so I think that's what really got me interested out of those two experiences to actually sort of find my own path about really wanting to go more on sort of a a client service account management sort of side and and path of my life. So after that, you enrolled at USC and then started a business doing your own kind of web design. Yeah, definitely. So USC... Love it. Trojan, right? For life. And I think what I learned there quickly was I wanted to stay in LA. (laughs) And I learned that uh, I wanted to do something around my own thing, uh, start my own business. And so naturally what I was always interested in was sort of the intersection of obviously, like I mentioned, really account services, client services, sort of as the, the vendor role and relationship, but really interested in sort of emerging media. You know, we have music, we have film, there's television, but sort of this new world of digital was really taking form. The idea of web development and design was always really interesting to me, but as it sort of connected people, um, the idea of an interactive business card, the idea of e-commerce, the idea of sort of people having transactions for microsites, I really sort of became very passionate around that. So from USC, started my own business, 
And, you know, it grew to about 10 employees full time, serviced a lot of local LA partners. We worked a lot with CBRE, actually, that was probably the most notable on some of their property websites and developments. And I think it was just a great learning experience. I had what I thought was all the right answers. And when you look back, probably all the wrong answers. (laughs) So I think that's what was really fun about that experience. Have you always kind of considered yourself an entrepreneur? I have. I think at heart, I've loved, I'd love to stay active and busy. And I think, you know, as with sort of all of us in, in this space, every day feels a bit different. And I like that, I think. And I think at the end of the day, didn't want to be necessarily felt like a cog in a larger sort of operation. I wanted to feel more like I was always trying something new. So the entrepreneurial spirit in me was really an underlying theme of sort of being relentlessly curious about stuff, staying active, trying to sort of problem solve all the time. If something didn't exist, well, could it, could it be built to exist? And I think that was always something that really fueled my passion and, and kind of kept me motivated to stay outside the lines a little bit. And do you feel that going to university a little later than most of your peers and having two years of work experience under your belt, do you feel like you got more out of that? Education? I do. I graduated behind some of my peers, uh, you know, coming out of high school. And I think uh, I was behind a little bit, but I think I, you know, I wouldn't take that back at all. I think that gave me good kind of perception and perspective, I would say, of, of actually looking at a little bit more focus of what I wanted out of college and what I wanted out of the time in college and sort of where I spent free time versus class time. And I think it actually really helped to shape where I was today is having some of those prior experiences out of the gate really kind of molded, I think, who I am and where I am today. And how did you make your way here to full screen? I knew a couple of folks at the churning group and you know, when I had left, when I had actually had sold my, my company, you know, not like I didn't have to work again, I did. And so once I, once I saw that, I, I wanted to sort of look at what was John 2.0, if you will. I connected with them and I said, you know, what's, this is what I'm interested in. I said, I've been fascinated with video and video was emerging and very much up and coming in terms of digital video and starting to see it embedded in websites, started to see it a little bit unfold in, in, in sort of social. It was still new. And from there, they connected me with George and, you know, they, they said, oh, we, we hear what you want. It sounds, you know, I think you should talk to George. Like George is amazing, super creative, like very, you know, complete entrepreneur and totally taking something and building something out of nothing right now that doesn't exist. And you should talk to him. The rest was history. I remember going over a meeting with George and Ezra and just seeing how passionate they were about what they were doing. Just it was like an instant spark, an instant connection, you know, truly pioneering something totally new. Right. In a space that we're at today, obviously, there's a handful of other companies doing doing something similar. But I think the idea where there wasn't something like that that existed, the concept of creating something from nothing was beyond the right fit for me. It just felt so, so right, like I needed to be there. So you came on very early days and were tasked with kind of building out this brand services division, which became Channel Plus. Yep. Tell us a little bit more about kind of that mandate. Yeah, definitely. And I was at the time where before even building out Channel Plus, you had to build your desk on the first day. So um, it was totally run and gun and startup. But, you know, Channel Plus at sort of a 50,000 foot view is really around a collection of best practices, strategy, and optimization for brands and media clients. And we're really thinking right now around this amazing time of disruption. And disruption in the most positive way, where what's happening is that 
we're finding traditional start to decline. We're starting to see that audiences are leaving and shifting. They're much more fragmented. They're on multiple platforms at multiple times. They're starting to have different types of conversations. The interaction with them is different. And so, you know, the thesis of Channel Plus is really helping and actually more than anything, really transforming the relationship between brands and fans today because they're not necessarily on television. And that's where a lot of the brands would either advertise or, or you know, do content. And, and same thing with media partners. And they're finding that they need to build their audiences elsewhere. Sometimes that's on their own sort of SVODs kind of platform. Sometimes that's leveraging a social platform. And so there's best practices, there's sort of strategy, there's you know, overarching sort of social video do's and don'ts that are very effective for them to think about. And I think what we really look to do is provide sort of a 360 approach on how we can help brands around social video. You know, very, very passionate about that. I think there's, we've come in an amazing way in the last four years, but it's like we're just scraping the surface now, scratching the surface now of what it's going to look like on a go-forward basis. So what were some of the challenges you faced early on when you started that back four years um, ago? Constant pivots. I think, you know, what's most interesting is that this does not remain constant at any time. This is one of those things that when we first started, we were working with sort of the YouTube-funded channels. That was the initiative where YouTube kind of, you know, did an influx of around $100 million to content creators. And we were simply just helping them operate their channel. It was funny. It was like they were so smart about making this content, about, you know, producing it, creating it. But they had a hard time when it was like, well, some of them were just like, we don't even know how to upload video. So we were like, okay, we'll help problem solve that. So we built a solution first out of that and then kind of started to level from there and build out sort of all these other offerings. And I think when I go back to say sort of the ability of pivots, you're constantly pivoting. It's an industry and a space where it's evolving every day and it's changing every day. And, you know, I say this people in the room, I might consider myself an expert, but I don't think any of us are experts because I think, you know, you're an expert when you've mastered something, but because it keeps changing, we're always catching up to it. And so I think that's what's been so challenging. I think more than anything is trying to stay ahead of where it's going. And um, you know, the concept of skating where the puck's going and I think knowing maybe what's next. And so you know, I task the team here, I task my group to always think about what's happening in a one year, what's happening in the three to five years from now. Do you have any predictions? What are you keeping your eye on? I think brands are the next big thing. I think they're going to start to shift their advertising and marketing dollars and whatever, whatever they were sort of spending on truly around building their own content. And so I think there's going to be a bigger issue where the distribution is going to be a little bit of a question mark. I think that we don't, we're finding that they don't want to rely all the time on these platforms. I mean, at the end of the day, we love them, but we're beholden to Facebook and YouTube and Snapchat and Twitter and all these platforms. So I think the three to five years, do you have your own O&O destination? Do you have your own place where you've built up enough sort of clout within the community that you can port audience over to your own thing? Or do you always have to play on these platforms because that's where the audiences are. And I think in three to five years, we'll probably see a a handful of some more social platforms. We'll need to think about sort of, again, diversifying how we're getting content out there. But I think that monetization and I think cross-platform distribution and management is where it's going. I agree with you. It's an interesting trend to observe brands becoming media companies. What we've seen happen with Red Bull and GoPro, but even with Marriott and Pepsi and you know, countless yeah. other examples. And so as they have needs to produce content, mm-hmm. distribute content, build audiences, 
monetize or engage those audiences in interesting ways. Yeah. Solutions like yours helping them understand those trends and take advantage of platforms, but also build their own properties is better, very valuable. Yeah, very much. And I think for us and you know anyone in the space, we can't stay so micro. I think because it's it's looking broadly. It, you know, distribution management is going to be a very broad term, right? And it's going to say, well, what does that even mean? And is, it, is that, you know, is that operating 24 platforms, every single platform? And then also understanding the limitation of each of those platforms. And I think, you know, truly we're at a point of flux where we don't know necessarily what's coming. I think that's exciting. But I think being able to take the learnings you have on a day-to-day basis, apply them in a go-forward basis is, is really how you do stay ahead. You know, we're seeing that the development of these new platforms, they can't almost keep up with the momentum that a YouTube has, for example. I have to keep, you know, shouts to YouTube. But I think love it or hate it or feel indifferent about that platform They've got, what, 12 years in the game of developing, you know, unbelievable analytics at this point and insights and intel and doing so much that when you think about these new platforms emerging, it's a lot of catch up. And so you do think about that building into the factor of a little bit on the sort of where it's going and how it's changing a little bit. And so I think ultimately, you know, to your point, these brands are really going to be media clients. And I think they're going to say life is going to exist around us and maybe not on this platform. So how many clients do you work with today? We're currently working with just over 80 partners. Wow. Yeah. And is that mostly media companies or does it tend to be a lot of brands? It is. You know, the split is about 70-30 on percentage. And we're finding that that's changing fast, right? To your point again, you know, the brands are waking up in the best way possible. Super savvy, super smart. I think going out there and really proactively thinking about content in the right way. And I think taking some calculated bets and some risk that is, you know, we're starting to see really pay off. We're starting to see some do some really great things out there. And what are you most excited about this year in working with those brand clients or, you know, in the <clears throat> plus division as a whole? Yeah, I think for me this year is about foundations and building solid foundations. You know, never go and tout that, again, we have all the answers and we know exactly how it's going to look, but we know exactly what it needs to look like today to set up for a great future. And so I think the setting the expectations, defining and clarifying sort of what a solid foundation is, and then building upon that effectively is really, in my opinion, how you win today. And that's what I'm most excited about is, is doing a little bit of the heavy lifting. It's a lot of the strategy. It's a lot of the planning. It's a lot of the sort of, you know, looking around and doing some analysis of the, of the space. But I think that's setting everyone up for when you turn the lights on or when you start to kind of turn the dollars on to spending more on content, um, you're doing it the right way and the effective way. And what about full screen in general? Like thinking sure. a bit more broadly, what is full screen focused on? I think for us, it's three big paths. I think it's you know continuing to iterate and focus around creators is priority number one i think you know again priority that would be one a one b because these are all top priorities one b is going to be very much thinking about our brand service so you know my team channel plus obviously we've acquired mcbeard a fantastic social creative company as they're starting to you know really grow and just explode in the space how we are going to get better about holistic offerings. Thinking about the creative, the optimization, the reporting, the content creation with sort of the group that we have here as well. So really as we're creating a best in class service for brands is 1B. And then 1C is, you know, the focus for full screen is going to really be around SVOD. And sort of that was announced and it's a, you know, it's coming right around the corner is the launch of our SVOD and sort of the consumer play of what we want to do there. So I think for us, 
What's really interesting at full screen is narrowing it down to sort of three really clearly defined paths and just going for it. And it seems to reinforce one another and, and the broader business initiatives, which is supporting creators, supporting brands and media companies, and supporting audiences, right? Yep. Giving them new ways to yeah. engage with content. Yes, exactly right. And I think all are at this point one and the same. Almost. And I think that's exciting. Right. You know, I think we would look at uh, saying these are three different, you know, these are these are these are three. This is a fork in a road. Right. And it goes three different ways. And I think this at this point is the lines are becoming very blurred. And there is, you know, consumers touch within brands, brands work within creators, vice versa. Creators see themselves as brands who then eventually the creators are big enough to sort of go to consumers direct. It's this kind of ebb and flow that seemed to really work out nicely. I think that you're right about the blurred line and how that impacts how people see their businesses, but also how you need to work with them. And you touched on earlier how the space changes every day. And that's a big part of just staying ahead of it. Yeah, definitely. It is. I think that's actually one of the hardest things for probably everyone. It has to be. It's tough. I mean, it is changing so much and directions are changing and businesses are pivoting. And within that, not only just the relevancy component of it, but just directionally where you do, where you go next and what you do to get there is is becoming just very important. It's a game of not sitting down for too long. Beyond YouTube and Facebook and these other social video platforms, what are you keeping your eye on from, say, a live streaming perspective or looking at international mm-hmm. platforms uh, and, and brand opportunities? How do you, you know, think about other trends that are impacting the space? Definitely. I want to touch on international first. Sure. I think international is so untapped. I think we operate a little bit, and I'm not talking about us specifically, but I think kind of the the world around social video here and, and the, the brands and folks, I think we operate a little bit with blinders on. And I think the international world is a little bit behind us in this front, but I think that means that there's tons of opportunity there for them, for us, for both, for everyone. And so I think that's a really interesting kind of piece of this puzzle. One in which I I don't believe a lot of people have solved. I think we're not thinking about the fact that if you look at just YouTube, what 80% of traffic is global or international, I should say. And so that's one little piece of that puzzle. How that affects the larger notion of behaviors internationally, how they're consuming content, what's happening on their trends. I think Again, put blinders on. You know, we believe that if we release content this one way, it's uh, one size fits all. Not that case. Working with you know global sort of studio partners, when you release twenty two trailers that are localized in different countries, there are different tactics and, and techniques and sort of philosophies and schools of thoughts and ways to kind of do it that way. So I think international is really interesting, and I think a focus that. I know I'm thinking about a lot and I know that I encourage anyone else to be thinking about as huge opportunity. Does the Channel Plus group support any of Full Screen's international partnerships like with the CBC or the uh, and Yeah, we do. We do. We're currently working with CBC, supporting them on, on the channel management side. And yes, you know, QKey as well. And I think, uh, you know, we're working with a few folks in Europe right now as well. But we're starting to see that that's... Um, just sort of the the first step. And I think there is more to be done around that. And again, untapped. With live and live stream, you know, it's fascinating. Periscope is a real thing for brands, which I find interesting. Uh, truthfully, I'm wrestling uh, with my thoughts a little bit around, around Periscope. I get it. I like it. I use it. It's on my phone. But in terms of like a true way, you know, I get the real-time component of it. Uh, live to me, has a lot of open holes. I think live on YouTube 
is interesting. We know it doesn't have necessarily a massive splash when you do it. You know, you're getting a portion of the audience there. I think Facebook's live is really interesting and I think it's going to work out really well because Facebook is the ability in which you're just, you know, YouTube, you're going and you're searching for something. Facebook is something is basically presented to you, right? It's in your feed, it's delivered up to you. And so I think that notion of being able to scroll through and instantly see that there's something moving, you know, everyone sees the video. I think Facebook's going to have a, a greater opportunity. If I were them, I would really hone in on what they're doing around their live capabilities because I think that's the play for brand record it there and then release you know on youtube the polished version of it mm, that's interesting version. so yeah. use facebook which is great for social recommendation yep. just right in front of your audience yep. all the time yep. and then push the vod stream and archive yep. that almost or yep. allow it for playback to youtube where search is more paramount absolutely and i think the two work hand in hand i get asked a lot around well facebook versus youtube right i don't know if that was a question it's not either or exactly it's not either or um it's one helping the other and the other helping the other and i think that's i've been looking at that more and more where i think you know we've seen partners started to say hey well you know do we want to be on youtube long term you know we don't we love it. We, we don't love certain things. Uh, again, you know, relationships of everything. I was like, look, it's never going to be a one size fits all, but you have to be there and you need to be there. And it's going to be a component of your digital sort of marketing strategy. It's going to be a component of your video, you know, your video release cycle. But I think looking at how Facebook can be beneficial to move audiences to YouTube and vice versa and how you start to understand each platform for each behavior that's the end game to mm-hmm. me a little bit. Let's switch gears a little yeah. bit and do some rapid fire questions. Let's do it. Have you read any uh, great books recently you just want to recommend? I have. I've read most recently I Want My MTV, which was a great book about just looking at sort of the rise of Viacom and MTV within that. You know, just again, interesting to look at. I think life is cyclical a little bit. So I look, I want to look at historically sort of what's happened and then maybe is there any learnings that we apply on a go forward basis? I was going to say, George has made some interesting parallels to full screen's yes. business and the growth of yes. TV yes. in the 80s. You could say it probably came from George, but I think, uh, you know, I've heard him mention that a few times and finally I was like, I'm just going to I'm going to knock this book out. That was the most recent one. And then next is going to read a book on Ogilvy and a little bit into the insight about that agency. So you can kind of He's see a where my mind's like, Yeah, exactly. Great wit. Yep. Yeah, very funny. So, Do you have any recommendations for brands who are curious about YouTube, curious about online video, want to do more, but don't know where to start? I think the best place to start is to look at it from a consultative standpoint. I think what you can do first is do three things. One, analyze what's happening currently on the space. And that could be not necessarily looking at your own content, but who's what's aspirational out there. And I don't think it is if, you know, just, well, look at what Red Bull did. It's not. They're almost in a league of their own at this point. They're a little bit kind of off the beaten path in a good way. So I think it's look at what, you know, from an analysis standpoint, what's working, what isn't working around either your type of content, your brand, you know, similar folks in the space, similar creators that you can find. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would do if you're looking and thinking about getting into the space, kind of releasing content, is think about what you have from a budget standpoint around content. Content is king, right? We always say that. We love that phrase. There is a notion of field of dreams with YouTube. If I create a channel, they will come. And why don't I have 100,000 subscribers or a million subscribers or 10 million subscribers or whatever it is? And so I think you have to truly say, what is your, you know, what is your investment cost going to look like? And three is my advice is to sit back and wait a little bit. The ROI out of YouTube is not direct, but it is there. 
It's a building game. This is a long-term play. YouTube for me is not an overnight solution. It is truly an engine and you gotta put fuel in that engine and you gotta work to build that engine and keep it going and keep the engine on. And I think that any partner I tell today, anyone who I'm talking to and potentially interested in the space is really all about making sure you realize that this is a long-term play and you need to be here, but long-term you're gonna need to want to be here. If you were starting a business in the online video space today, what would you do? I think I would double, triple, and quadruple down around data and analytics. <laughs> I think that data is the next big thing. You heard it from me. I believe that we are in a space where we're making great content. Obviously, there's fantastic influencers and creators out there to work with. A lot of folks will do sort of the marketing amplification paid component with this. But what I do believe is missing is really, 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 truly, truly, truly best-in-class analytics and data to help on a go-forward. And I think as at the CMO level, they're going to want the metrics to supply to say like, well, you know, right now it's a bit of the wild, wild west. We, we know what social can do, the power of it, but the substance, the currency, the sort of the, the tangibility around it, I think is still a little bit not wrangled. A number of people are taking aggressive swings <laughs> at that space, right? Tubular Labs, Big Tubular, Data Player, yeah. Open Slate, looking at yep. kind of quantifying the value of a channel. Yep. Now there's Social Blue Book. Yep. Do you think these companies are doing a good job or where are the gaps? Is it a business intelligence thing? Is it creator analytics? What are the... Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I think Tubular is doing... A fantastic job and you know hats off to Rob and Allison I think that they're and the team there they are doing a great job and starting to look across platform and, and kind of aligning that definitely two thumbs up I think open slate and, and some other folks are doing something that's interesting I think what we're, we're finding is very hard that I'm still missing is a little bit of the why and what to do next I'm finding out with all of these that it's telling me about what this is sort of how to measure this but I don't know why, and I don't know what my go forward is. And that's so you know, really gleaning those actionable insights yeah, out of the data. Yeah, definitely. And that is tough. To be honest, to automate that is going to be a hard thing. And I think, you know, that's where nod to Channel Plus, we are the strategists that help to come in to answer the why a lot of this. But I truly think as you're looking at data, as you're looking at it in terms of a science, as you're starting to make more calculated decisions, you're going to need to have the silver bullet that tells you you know, gleaming into the insights. What does it mean if I have two Vine loops, four Facebook views, one YouTube view, why is that important? And what do I do about that? Does it just mean do more Vine because I saw more engagement there? No, does it mean I do more? Like, we need that. I think that's a big missing piece of this puzzle. Where can people find out more about you, John, and more about Fullscreen? They can find out more on our website. I can't believe I just hawked a website. Uh, <laughs> I guess maybe I just dated myself in all of this. But no, on full screen, there's a section about brands and specifically within Channel Plus. I think I do various different types of speaking engagements and forums. Not a lot because I'm typically head down in the weeds. But I think, you know, the best thing to do is to just kind of contact through there. Obviously, we're in Playa, uh, you know, and more than anything, email me, contact me. I would love to talk to whoever about anything. I think the way I look at this world is I think we all want to be as educational as possible to folks. It's really not about, for me, ever being about salesy and more about being informative. And I think that's what I love about what we do is um, we're here to help. And I think all of us in this space are thinking about the fact that we're trying to help 
individuals, partners, brands, clients, media partners, whoever, however you want to coin it or phrase it, sort of navigate uncharted waters. And we're there with them. That's the thing. That's a great philosophy. I love the approach. And thank you for sharing so much perspective on your journey about working with brands, building out uh, that services business here within Fullscreen. It's been really, really interesting. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. I'm James Creech, and this has been another edition of All Things Video. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll share and subscribe for new episodes. See you next time. Mm